Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Yes, indeed. I am joined by a friend of ours named Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Good morning, Julie. Great to hear from you. Good morning to you. How are you doing? Doing quite well. Uh, Trying to stay cool. Uh, there's been some relief certainly in the last day or two, but I have to tell you, uh, as as tough as it is, especially if you have to work outside in this heat and humidity, that it, it it's made our gardens really grow big time. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> that's the positive side. How about yeah, well, you? How was your week? Yeah, my week has been great also. I've done a number of different, uh, some education stuff to, this week that was really fun. So um spoke uh, online via Zoom to the North Dakota Master Gardeners hmm. and uh, talked to them about right plant, right place, right purpose, and plant selection. So that was a lot of fun. It was a challenge. You know, it's three hours on the phone and or on the Zoom. and uh, But, yeah, mostly just getting out there during breaks in the day and weeding and, and uh, cutting, uh, deadheading back flowers and looking for Japanese beetles and all those good things that we do this time of year. Yeah, my wife said yesterday that she uh, uh, found a Japanese beetle in the backyard. I went, oh, really? I'll have to tell Julie when we talk <laughs> because this is, uh, I'm sure we'll be getting phone calls and text messages about that very thing, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Those are, um, they are pesky. And we have a great uh, p- webpage about Japanese beetles, about mm. managing them in your backyard. And the nice thing about this webpage that was written by my, by me and also Jeff Hahn, our entomologist, is that it talks about cultural ways to manage them. In other words, no chem, you know, no chemicals, um, no special tools, and then also mechanical ways, which is a kind of forming barriers, and then also the chemical options too so um and explains a lot about the life cycle of japanese beetles they're Hmm. um they're tough little buggers they fly long distances so if you have them in your yard it doesn't necessarily mean that you have uh grub issues in your turf and uh and you don't want to use the traps because you just attract more to your yard so but that's a great web page on our extension.umn.edu website We'll mention that again, as we always like to do through throughout the hour. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question for Julie, now is your chance. 651-989-9226. That number applies both to phone calls and text messages as well. And uh, speaking of text messages, Julie, I see one here came in a bit ago. 
Uh, Texter says they have had Stelladoro daylilies uh, for years. They bloom great one time, but have never rebloomed. Texter wants to know, what can I do to encourage them to give me a second bloom? Probably some fertilization would help. Uh, essentially, that plant has gathered enough energy over the past growing season and the early part of the growing season to produce one bloom. And if you wanted to rebloom, first of all, deadhead those plants. In other words, cut down, cut out those uh, expanded blooms, of the, the parts of the flower, the stems that have finished blooming, and then maybe give it a little bit of regular uh, fertilization. And you can just use an all-purpose, you know, garden, flower, uh, fertilizer. It doesn't have to be really ex- especially high in anything, any one nutrient. I think they've probably been in there so long that the soil around them has maybe been depleted a little bit of nutrients. So I'd give it a, give them a, a nice, uh, about a half strength fertilizer application and see if you can get another bloom out of them. I remember years ago, uh, I transplanted a, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but it's a rhododendron. And I, I moved it, and uh, there were a lot of trees that still are in, in our neighborhood. But over the years, last few years, a couple of years actually, uh, uh, trees, because of a disease in the neighbor's yard, had to be removed. Suddenly, I've got so much light now <laughs> where I didn't before, uh, and this rhododendron is coming back. But I, I, I know they like, uh, as far as fertilizer, what uh, kind of an acid like a mere acid or something, but I've right. never used that. I've used a general. Uh, is that okay to do just a general fertilizer, organic? Yeah, so rhododendrons, and I'm guessing it's probably the PJM rhododendron, the purple one that blooms. Um, yes. That's, that's probably the most common one that we grow in our gardens. Um, they're in the, um, the rhododendron genus also includes azaleas, and azaleas really like acidic soil, but the rhododendrons are a little more forgiving They'll mm. tolerate a little bit higher pH in the soil. So just even a general uh, fertilizer is better than nothing. And if you think about a rhododendron, they're broadleaf evergreens, and they have to hang on to those leaves through the entire year. Mm. So, uh, so you know, you want to be sure that you're watering them well enough and then giving them just a mild fertilizer. I think that was probably a really good idea to do that. Yeah, well, it worked. <laughs> Magic. Uh, i tell you what, let's go to the phones. I think Brian in Minneapolis has been hanging on there. Brian, thank you. What's your question for Julie? Hi, good morning. Um, yes, I had a question about wild violet weed. And, okay. Um, other than pulling it up by hand, are there any chemicals or whatever that can be used to get rid of it? Or? Sure. So wild violets are favorite flowers of like spring flowers, but they can be a real pest in your in your lawn. So they are a broadleaf weed. So you could utilize a broadleaf uh, chemical or broadleaf herbicide. And, and that would take care of um, the violets as well as you know, if you have dandelions or if you have other broadleaf weeds in there too. Grasses are grass, you know, they're grassy. And we have grassy weeds too, like barnyard grass and crab grass. But uh, so you want to choose a broadleaf herbicide, and that will kill the broadleaf weeds, but not your grass. Okay, very good. You know what? I, I'm looking at the clock, and I think we need to take a quick break here. But when we come back, we have a bunch of other text messages. And if you want to call in your lawn and garden question, that's great too. 651-989-9226. Let's take this a quick break, Julie, and be back on the other side 
with uh, with more of our Lawn and Garden Talk here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Here on News Talk 830 WCCO, welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Danny Long here with our friend Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. And as usual, Julie, tons of calls, tons of text messages. Awesome. So don't don't leave me yet. <laughs> think, <laughs> I would never leave you, Danny. Come on. No, no, good. Good to hear. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to grab this text because I think it relates, a lot of people can relate to it. Um, although my lawn is looking pretty good these days. But this texture says, my lawn looks awful. Weeds have taken over. What can I do? Oh, man. Well, uh, our turf uh, experts will say if your lawn is 30 to 50% weeds, it might be time to renovate your lawn, Mm -hmm. which means essentially either cutting it out or killing it off and then reseeding it. So uh, that's a personal decision. You got to look around. Um, But if you try to kill off weeds that are comprising 30% or more of your lawn, your lawn's going to look pretty much dead. And uh, now if they're in just certain areas, you could kill that area off and then reseed or resod. And you can still do that now. Actually, the best time, though, for lawn renovation, especially seeding, is coming up in August. Because right now it's awfully hot for our cool yes. season grasses to grow well. And so you want to wait till we get a little cooler nights, little cooler days. And August is a good time. Our a Minnesota lawn calendar on our website gives you some good, you know, best times to do things and then kind of second best times to do things. But you could still sod. So you could cut out those areas or kill them off, remove the dead plants. And then uh, you could also then sod at this time, too, if it's really bad. That's only if they're all in one patch. If you really, if they're all over your lawn, you might want to talk to a professional lawn company about coming in and renovating it for you. But in the meantime, yeah, I urge our listeners, as so many have done, is is check out that uh, university website. Uh, And we'll mention it again, as we always do throughout the rest of the show. It's a great resource. Uh, Tell you what. Julie, we have so many callers. Let's let's get back to them. I think Penny is calling in from New Ulm this morning. Penny, you're on with Julie. Hi. We have um, a few, I think they're called American cranberry bushes, that we trim down to the ground, um, and they've regrowth, but all of the, um, the regrowth are their very long, floppy, leggy stems with big leaves. Should we be, um, you know, uh, staking them up, or will it will they will it get better? I think what I what I'd probably do with some of those is is if they're really kind of wanky, they're shooting out really high above some of the other branches. You might even try to trim some of those back a little bit too, and kind of get them back into kind of a size that and a form that looks good to you. Um, the, when you make a cut in a plant, they will the plant produces a hormone to produce a lot of growth at that point. So it might help now to take some of those long, tall, thin branches and trim them back a little bit more. I would hold off till maybe, uh, well, no, I would do that now because you don't want to do it too late in the season. And uh, otherwise you're going to have new growth that's not going to harden off before winter. Uh, The other option is to just kind of wait. Maybe you want to put uh, fencing around it just to hold them up. That might be easier. And then, uh, and just see how they look next spring. Okay. Uh, I want to uh, grab another phone call, but I want to see if we can't grab a couple of text messages in the meantime. Uh, when can you, Texter says, prune boxwood 
How much can you trim off at one time without damaging the plants? And is there something one should not do as far as boxwoods? Boxwoods. Okay. Uh, well, you usually when you prune or shear a plant, you want to do that um, about a third of the plant. And, uh, and with boxwoods, I would say I think you could probably shear them now and take off some of the newer growth, kind of get them into a form that you like. Uh, you don't, don't want to wait too long with those because just like the previous caller, those plants will start putting out new growth wherever you make a cut. And when we get toward the end of the season and even as getting into September, we could get some frost and that could actually kill that new growth. So now would be mm. probably a good time to do that so that the plant has enough time to put out some new growth and it can gradually go into dormancy for the winter. Very good. Let's go back to the phones. Julie, Lorraine is calling from St. Paul this morning. Lorraine, you are on with Julie. Good morning. Uh, yes, good morning. Uh, I live in a townhome association, and uh, we have a lawn service, and it is a, a, a big area. However, we have more and more crabgrass every single year. Should we, and, and our lawn service doesn't seem to take care of it other than a pre-emergent in the in the in fall or spring or whenever sure. and it, it is like a one of these places that comes out and fertilizes you know green whatever is that should we be doing something like that to uh, to prevent this crabgrass is an annual weed so uh crabgrass plants a single plant puts out many many thousands and maybe even millions of seeds so uh, eradicating it, the pre-emergent is correct to put that down. Uh, they might need to put down, uh, put it down a little bit earlier, or they might their timing might not be quite right. And um, they should be probably considering mowing longer as well, and encouraging the rest of the lawn to do to you know to grow thicker and more dense. So uh, when I was uh, I was teaching the, the licensed pesticide applicator training in Rochester and the Mayo Clinic staff was there and they have, you can imagine in Rochester, they have a lot of hot areas around, you know, there's sidewalks and buildings and roads and, you know, that whole complex is, is pretty diverse. And they had a lot of crabgrass issues. Crabgrass grows where it's nice and warm. It grows along dry kind of disturbed areas. And uh, so that's why we see them along sidewalks. We see it along driveways and roadways. And they actually uh, were able to manage and pretty much eliminate crabgrass by raising their mower height to four inches. So your lawn company might be mowing too short, and that could actually be dictated by your homeowner association. A lot of people are under the impression that their lawns need to be about two inches high, and the recommendation from our turf uh, experts on, on campus is three inches or more. So that's just a couple things to think about. Um, it, it, people just have to get used to a little bit longer lawn, but what happens is those blades of grass can photosynthesize more, put more energy into the roots of the plants, plus the taller blades will shade the crowns of the plants, which prevents them from burning out in weather like we've been having recently where it's really hot. It also will help to shade the soil, which also prevents the germination of weed seeds. So it's a, it's a win-win to just raise the mower higher 
And uh, if they have issues, if the lawn service wants uh, a consultation or something, they can contact the turf uh, department or the turf program at the University of Minnesota in the Horticultural Science Department. And uh, they can speak to one of the professors or one of the researchers there. But maybe just encouraging them or talking to them about raising their mower height and mowing a longer lawn and making sure that your homeowners association understands the benefits of that might go a, a you know might really help with some of the crabgrass issues. Boy, after listening to you and your colleagues uh, advising us as far as the length to mow, uh, that's what I've done to the uh, yard. And what what a difference! Like you said, especially yeah. in this hot weather, I think. Um, I think I mow probably it, it, it's about three to four inches, I would say. Mm-hmm. And boy, does that make a difference. Big difference. Yeah. Carl and I, were we had to buy a new lawnmower. We have a very small lawn, but we've always had a mower that could mow at like three and a half inches high. And mm-hmm. we, we got, we, I kept saying, nope, that mower doesn't go high enough. Nope, that mower doesn't go high enough. We returned <laughs> two mowers because they were too... They cut too short and too short. couldn't get up wow. to that three and a half inches or so. It really makes a difference. And I think yeah. people uh, disregard the skinny little blades of grass and think, oh, they don't do anything. But they actually are there for a reason, and they really help the grass a lot. Yeah, big time. I know we have to break here in a minute, but uh, this uh, this texture, I think, may be a candidate to get on the website, uh, the U of M <laughs> website. It says this. Uh, they want to plant a couple of trees for my grandson, who's turning one. Any suggestions? Oh, that's great. Plant First of all, planting trees, yes, two thumbs up. And second of all, for somebody's birthday, that's pretty neat. Yeah, uh, yeah. we have some excellent recommendations on our trees and shrubs section of our website. That's extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden and then uh, go down to our trees and shrubs section. I would also encourage uh, all the listeners to um, maybe listen in on the free webinars that we're offering through uh, a a kind of a collaboration of the Arboretum Extension, our Minnesota Landscape and Nursery Industry, and our Minnesota State Horticultural Society called Minnesota Plant Series. They are on Thursday nights from 7 till 8. They're free, and they are all about different uh, plants. That's all it is. It's for the total plant geeks and all of us. And uh, there is one that I recorded that was trees and shrubs for pollinators, so those might be a good option. And you can listen yeah. to that recording on that website. So just Google that or look on our uh, extension page under events. Very good. I want to alert our phone callers. Stay on the line. When we come back after this uh, look at the forecast, uh, we're going to pick up on your phone call. So stay right there. Here's our phone number and text number, 651-989-9226. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Thanks to our friends like Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M, who is your Host today, I like that. You're the host. You don't have to be called the hostess. You're, right? You're the host. host. What are you wow, talking okay. about? <laughs> I just wanted to. Sh- I just wanted to share the duties here. That's all. Uh, we, we have callers. We have texters. Julie, as usual. So let's get back to business here. Uh, Tom in Buffalo, I believe, is uh, first up here. Tom, you're on with Julie. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. Good morning. Say, I have a couple of spring snow crab apple trees that are probably 22 years old and the last five years or so they've been getting uh you know they they flower out they leaf out they flower and mid-summer they start getting dark spots on the leaves then the leaves turn yellow and they basically defoliate 
before fall. Um, and I tried, uh, a friend of mine, Glenn Gerton, said fertilize them. So I put 10, 10, 10 in a circle around the drip line. Okay. And that seemed to work, but now they're doing it again right okay. now. Any ideas? Um, yeah, it could be either, it could be like apple scab. Apple scab has these kind of olive green to kind of dark brown leaf spots. Uh, they eventually kind of become black, and those leaves will turn yellow and drop prematurely. So this is a disease that is it's a fungal disease, and it is a um, stays, it stays over in the soil. It uh, overwinters in the soil on infected leaf parts that drop in, and are down in the on the leaves. So the best thing to do is you can manage it by um, – by uh, cleaning up the leaves, being sure that you rake up well beneath that tree or those trees, and uh, you can destroy those. You can burn them, bury them, or compost them. And then uh, you want to also be pruning correctly for those trees to open up the canopy to make sure there's enough airflow and light that gets to that canopy. So if you're not pruning, uh, you do prune about you know March or February here in Minnesota. And uh, and then try to remove any upright suckers that are around the base of the plant as well, or water sprouts. These are these vertical branches that shoot straight up from a cut or from a branch, so that you're really opening that canopy up to light and to uh, to good airflow. And you can spray with a fungicide, but most homeowners uh, either will do it maybe once and then they forget, or they don't want to spray anything. So uh, so. Those are some cultural things you can do. And then I think if you want to read more about the fungicides, go ahead to our Apple Scab page. We actually have a web page on Apple Scab in Apples and Crab Apples. And that is on extension.umn.edu. And you can just type Apple Scab into the search box and it will give you a lot of good information, a little bit more detail than I can give you here. Okay, good. Uh, Texter wants to know, uh, they have a Siberian iris that's gone to seed. Now what? Siberian iris that's gone to seed. Just you can just cut that seed head off. So that's the remainder. You know, after okay. the flower is produced, then the plant naturally produces seed. Just cut off those seed heads. There is not a garden question, but this texture wants to know when and where do the abiders next play. <laughs> <laughs> which is Julie's band. Oh, I love our listeners. They're the best bands. <laughs> we have been on the COVID hiatus, as many musicians have, and uh, we actually, all of our summer gigs were canceled. So we're crossing our fingers that the Mound West Tonka Rotary will still hold its uh, Brewfest, the Tonka Brewfest, which is the first Saturday of November. So way out to there. Carl and I have been... I've been writing songs this summer, and he's been working a lot with sound. And uh, so we've been kind of holed up in the Bluebird Studios here, and that's kind of what we've been doing. So uh, we have posted some things on Facebook, some just the two of us performing. So, But you'll let us know studio. on the uh, I will on, let on you show. know. <laughs> sure. You bet. All right, good deal. Thanks for the text, and uh, let's go back to the phones. Uh, Mary Lou, I think, is still there in Crystal with a question. Mary Lou, thank you for waiting. Yes, hi, good morning. Uh, I have a question about an or, ornamental poppy. Or, or, yeah, ornamental poppy. And they're quite tall, 
and they're all dried up, and I'm not sure what to do with the, the seed, the pod. I love them. I use them in, in arrangements, but I'm not sure if they should be on the plant or if I should take them off now. Okay. Uh, yeah, these are oriental poppies. They're orange and just, oh, man, they're beautiful. And they their pods do make wonderful additions to arrangements. You can cut those off uh, and dry them. And I would hang them upside down to let them dry so they dry nice and straight. If you lay them down or hang them, uh, you know, or, you know, just put them in a vase, they'll wilt over probably and not be very straight. So you can do that. Um, you do want to remove seed heads from flowering plants like poppies because the plant, after blooming, it's put a bunch of energy into blooming and then it puts even more energy into producing those seed heads. That's its natural life cycle. So when you deadhead a plant after the bloom has expired or to take off the seed heads like the Siberian iris question just previously, then you're eliminating that need for the plant to put energy into that seed head and it will put energy into its roots and uh, and that's what you want to to have a nice bloom for the following year. So I would cut those stems nice and long so you can put them in your arrangements and then hang them upside down to dry in a nice dry, cool area. Okay. Thank you, Mary Lou. Uh, let's see who's next uh, before we break. Mark is calling from Shoreview this Saturday morning. Mark, thank you. What is your question for Julie? Yeah, <clears throat> thank you. Uh, I have a question about a corn plant. Uh, this is about seven feet tall. It's at least 10 years old. And uh, for a few years, it's it's had brown splotches on some of the leaves. And uh, I've been uh, not you know clear on what to do about it. Uh, I just tested the soil with a new gadget I got for Father's Day, and it shows uh, the soil is very acidic, about 5.5. And I'm wondering if that's something that uh, is part of the problem, uh, or if there's anything else that I can or should, you know, do to make the plant look better. So this is an ornamental, like a tropical plant, right? It's indoors. It's um, yeah. I assume so. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's got big flat leaves that curve down yep. and okay yep. that's the type of uh, the genus is called dracaena and we do call corn plant because it has kind of that look to it uh with spots on the leaves the first thing that i think about is um that maybe yes maybe your soil is a bit too acidic uh, i would maybe repot it and those are very large plants so you might need to call in a couple of friends or family members to help but I would repot it in some fresh soil, maybe give it a little bit larger pot as well, and uh, and see if that helps. Uh, and then I would just use a standard household uh, indoor plant fertilizer and not use a special acidic fertilizer. And I, I would also watch the watering too. Most of the times with, with indoor plants is we tend to overwater them. And sometimes that can result in what are called water spots. And water spots are kind of sunken, uh, dark spots on leaves. And that uh, that may help is to make sure it's draining well, that that pot that you have it in is draining well. And I would repot it at this point and put in some fresh soil. And I would use definitely a, a brand new bag of potting soil. Okay, very good. Uh, Julie, I know we have to take a quick break here. We have more show to come. If you have uh, a call, a uh, lawn uh, garden question via phone or text, same number, 651-989-9226.
And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO Radio around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. And thanks to the good folks that uh, we get some great help, Julie Weisenhorn and her colleagues. And uh, Julie, of course, is from, from the University of Minnesota. Julie, we have so many callers and so many texters. Let's see if we can't awesome. get down, down to business here. I think Betty in St. Louis Park is still waiting there in the wings. Betty, thank you. What is your question for Julie? Good morning. Uh, about three weeks ago, I purchased a small uh, mother-in-law's tongue from a nursery. Sure. Uh, it's, um, and it's in a four-inch pot, and when I purchased it, uh, they had a little, about an inch high tongue coming up. It's done really well. It's now about six inches tall, and um, I, I water it, and... Um, I drain it till I think it's fully drained, but uh, in so that it doesn't um, drain anything on the surface that I put it on. I set the pot in a in another container that will give it about an eight inch airspace underneath. Now I notice that roots are growing out of the bottom, and I'd like to encourage more. Uh, stalks to come out the top. I don't know whether it needs to be repotted in a bigger container. I don't know if I should cut off those roots. I just need some advice as to how to best take care of it. Okay. Okay. So you're talking about the mother-in-law's tongue or Sansevieria is the genus, or we call it the snake plant. It is a very tough, uh, low-maintenance plant. It uh, sounds to me like your plant could be repotted. When roots start to come out the bottom of the pot, that's kind of an indication that the plant has is you know has a lot of roots and is probably pot bound. Um, so you could repot it. You don't need a much bigger pot. You have a four inch pot now. You could maybe go to a six inch pot and use uh, some good potting soil, just a bag that you get from your local garden center or hardware store and repot it in a, a little bit larger pot. And these plants in particular, they don't need a lot of water, and they also don't need a lot of fertilizer. In fact, if you over-fertilize them, they tend to flop over if you have m- multiple stalks. So you want to kind of neglect this plant a little bit. It's also a low-light plant, meaning that it can sit in a indirect light or a, a corner of your room where you don't get a lot of direct light and it will do just fine. That's one of the nice things about this plant. Sometimes they will bloom and they have a tall skinny stalk with little tiny star-like flowers, kind of a creamy color, and they will drip a little bit of sap from those flowers. Um, but that's when the plant has become uh, much more pot-bound. You, once you repot this plant, you will not re- need to repot it for quite a while. It actually does really well in a tight location. So that's what I can tell you about the snake plant. It's a, it's a great plant. All right, good deal. You know, we have time for one more call, and then I want to grab a bunch of text messages if we could. Uh, Kelly is calling in from Hastings. Kelly, uh, go, go ahead with your question, please. Thank you. I just want to compliment you on every Saturday giving us so many different topics to uh, learn from. So thanks, both of you. Uh, I'll make my question quick. I have wonderful squash plants with lots and lots of blooms, and there gets to be a fruit on them about two inches long. Then it turns brown and gets mushy and dies. What am I doing wrong? 
Oh, well, thank you for the compliment. We, uh, we all love doing this show. It's really, really fun. And uh, I am going to look up, actually, I'm sitting in front of my computer, and I'm going to take a look at our Growing Melons and Cucurbits webpage. It's under, um, it's going to be under the vegetable section and under fruits A or vegetables A to Z. And if you go down there, you can take a look at uh, squash. I think what's happening probably is that you have maybe a, a fungal issue with that. Um, there's lots of diseases that affect squash and other plants in the cucurbit family. And uh, sometimes these will be uh, fungal or fruit rot diseases that can affect squash. And that damage includes things like brown spots, things that you're describing now. Um, cultural uh, control pra practices will usually help to manage these. So uh, you might want to um, check and see if you've got, maybe, maybe you've planted very close together and you might want to, you know, make, expose those fruits a little bit. Uh, more to the light, and uh, and then also you want to be sure that you're not overwatering, and it may be um, it may be that there's a a fungal issue that you can't do anything about too. That's the other problem that we sometimes see. So um, I would say take a look at this website on the growing squash, and see if you can find uh, find out what it is, find a photo that looks like what's going on with you. We also have a great diagnostic tool called What's Wrong With My Plant? And with that, you can look at the vegetable section, and then you can look at the, um, the pictures that look like your squash, and it will give you some information on what to do about that. At this point, with these annual vegetables, sometimes we start to see diseases and or or you know pathogens that have affected those fruits and there's really nothing to do at this point but it might give you some clues about what to do for next year okay texter says i've heard you say not to cover large roots on an old tree uh is it okay to add dirt on the sides maybe flush with the top of the root uh i i personally i would really discourage doing anything to cover up those roots, even on the sides with the soil. What I would recommend instead, because I know those big roots can be a real hassle, is that, uh, is that you interplant those roots with, say, shade perennials. Um, and these would be, you know, small, start with small plants, because there's a lot of root growth that's just below the surface of the soil between those big roots. And, uh, and just tuck in some shade perennials under those plants and uh, that will cover up the roots and don't try to grow grass between them. <laughs> That's a, a big mistake. Uh, you wind up mowing over the tops of the roots and can damage them. So uh, you can also mulch that area too and create and just protect that area. That's fine if you want to kind of fill in with mulch between the roots, but that allows air and water to flow there. You don't want to be putting any soil around or over those roots. Okay. Uh, here's a text that says, good morning. We've spent all spring on home projects and had no time for planting our vegetable garden. What, if anything, could we plant at this late stage of the growing season? Anything. You can, yeah, you can do some late season uh, things like um, lettuces pretty soon, uh, kale. Um, uh, I would stay away from things like tomatoes and peppers. It's really getting later in the season for that unless you get a plant in a container maybe that's you know a big plant from your garden center kind of the end of the season sale sort of thing 
But you can feed now for cool season crops and they will grow into the fall and you'll be able to harvest them, you know, maybe in September. And uh, we can have, there's information for that also on the vegetable page on our extension site. Okay. This text says, I have a large orchid and I'm fortunate I got it to bloom, but why would one flower open and the other six buds did not? Sometimes we call it bud blast. And sometimes those buds are, something happens to the plant, um, whether it's a change of light or soil or, or lack of soil in the case of orchids because they grow in a soilless mixture. Or it could be um, sometimes that they just dry up, that, that maybe it's not being watered enough or sometimes it's watered too much. So with orchids, and I'm guessing it's probably a moth orchid, uh, that's probably the most common one that we grow in our houses. And, and you want to just be sure that it's draining well and, uh, and water it in the sink Use water that is not tap water, but either distilled water or reverse osmosis water that you can buy at the grocery store or rainwater. Right now you can collect rainwater, and that's really good for, for orchids. All right, good. We have less than two minutes to go, Julie. Your texter wants to know what's the best time to trim back an evergreen tree? It depends on the evergreen. Uh, if it's a pine tree, uh, the best way to keep those uh, kind of from growing too long is in the spring when they're producing their candles. Those are the new growth. We call them candles. They look like little gold candles on the tops of branches. You want to snap those off. That's a pretty labor-intensive job, but you can keep smaller plants uh, from growing too large by doing that. If it's a spruce tree, you can prune it now. If it's a yew, you can prune it now. And if it's a... Um, if it's a juniper, you can prune it now. So you can prune any of those other ones. But with pine trees, uh, which have the longer needles, those would be, you, you, could, you could prune off dead branches if you wanted to, but if you want to keep it from getting too big, then you'd want to snap those candles off in the spring. All right. We have to take our leave here. How about, Julie, we, uh, you give us the uh, university website again. It's a great resource. Yeah, sure. It's extension.umn.edu. And I'd also encourage people to look at our Yard and Garden blog, our Yard and Garden news. Uh, got a lot of great current information on everything from vegetables to flowers and trees and watering and practices for your garden. So that comes out every couple of weeks. Excellent. Thank you, Julie. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jenny. You bet. Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.